It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it's Friday, so you know what that means. Yep, it's Friday. It's Saturday, Sunday, what? Yep, drop my kids off, fat, waffle, Friday is in full effect, and it's the roundtable. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. We got Sam Ekstrom joining us. We got Julia Daniels from Care 11. She also threw up at the uh, Taylor Swift album, and then we got Reggie Wilson from Care 11. He's an avid Lakers fan, so sorry for that, people. Uh, but again, I'm Ron Johnson. That's the crew. We got a lot of sports to talk about. There was trades. We all weren't sure if the Timberwolves were going to make a trade. We're worried about this down the stretch before the All-Star break because that's when teams get lackadaisical. Uh, Justin Jefferson's out here trying to break the bank. But with all that said, let's get locked in on these topics. What you got for us, Sam? I'm excited to eat Ron's waffles. I'm hungry now. <laughs> I want Ron's waffles. And I also want to talk about the Wolves not even waiting till the trade deadline. They went a day early and brought in a pretty good backup point guard. We'll talk about it. And, of course, it's Super Bowl week, so we have to talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, what would it mean for each quarterback should they win? And the Wolves just continue to put Doc Rivers in hell. They beat the Bucks. What? We'll talk about it. And if Shaquille O'Neal was on our show, he would look to Sam like, whoa, did you just say that like that? Um, but I want to talk about my Minnesota Gophers, why we just saw the Gophers beat Michigan State. I was dialed in on Peacock, watching every moment of the game. It was good to see them win. also saw Max Christie. I didn't realize his brother played for the Gophers, and he chose Minnesota over his brother's school, Michigan State. So it was good to see that. But we're going to talk about that stadium because as I watched the game on TV, some things I noticed, it's not okay, and they got to change on campus. We'll talk about that, all that and much more, but I want everybody to know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join a day, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on to get started. If you guys want an easy $5 bet, wait for the Wolves to play a terrible team and just bet on that. Bet on that. The Timberwolves are going to beat the terrible teams moving forward. They are number one in the West. They have a half-game lead. There's only a half-game lead over the other two teams as well, though. But make sure you guys put that $5 down there, and then you'll get two. That's $200 in bonus bets from FanDuel. And then you get to bet on whatever you want after that. Make some Super Bowl bets, people. But let's jump into these topics. I'm going to start with you, Julia. Take it away. Yeah. Like I said, Super Bowl Sunday, right around the corner. So of course we have to talk about it a little bit. Two completely different quarterbacks in this situation. We've got Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy. So let's talk about what this win would mean for each quarterback. So we'll start with Patrick Mahomes. Um, it would be his third Super Bowl win. So a hat trick in hockey terms. Um, I think when it comes to Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl, we already know the talents that this guy has. Um, we already know that his athleticism transcends the baseball diamond and also 
the gridiron. We know he he makes incredible passes. We know the postseason belongs to him. I think more so when you think about Patrick Mahomes winning another Super Bowl, you have to wonder what does it mean for us, right? What does it mean in terms of State Farm commercials? Are we getting two more years of these State Farm commercials? By all means, I would be happy with that. They do a wonderful job with it. I love to see Andy Reid in these State Farm commercials. But also, it means that we still we still got a lot of attention going towards um, the entire Mahomes family, too. Uh, so there's that. We, we have to listen also to Patrick Mahomes' weird takes on the calls that he gets. Uh, there's, there's more attention to that. We have to see edge rushers treat him like he's made of glass, which we know he's not, by the way. This past game proved our point. It was the first sack he's had in the postseason, I think, all year. Um, but I think for Patrick Mahomes, it also means uh, he kind of solidifies his place up there on the way to being one of the GOATs. People consider him one of the best quarterbacks in the league already, right? If not the best quarterback in the league. Um, I think people were a little worried about the regular season for him, but this postseason has kind of solidified uh, that he is one of, if not the best. For Brock Purdy, it's obviously an entire different situation, right? He would be the first Mr. Irrelevant quarterback to win a Super Bowl, and I believe he would be only the second Mr. Irrelevant player ever to win a Super Bowl just in general. Um, this would be huge for him. I think, I think it could go one of two ways, depending on the kind of game that he has. It could either kind of help flip the script that I think a lot of people have about him as a quarterback and, and they don't give him enough credit for the job that he does. Um, it also could just, you know, turn into, well, you have the Avengers surrounding you on this team. So, you know, you didn't do a whole lot in terms of this game and this, that I think some people will discredit him just because of the team that he's on. Um, but at the end of the day, it would be historical for Brock Purdy to win a Super Bowl. Um, and honestly, I feel like he's an easy guy to root for, too. You know, you see the good stuff that he does. He seems like a nice guy. Um, you feel bad sometimes when Cam Newton says things about him. Maybe Cam Newton's opinion would change of him should he win a Super Bowl. Um, but I think it's such an interesting dynamic between these two quarterbacks because they're in such different positions, almost opposite positions and opposite of the kind of players that they are too. So it would be interesting to see either of them, uh, win the Super Bowl. I think it'll be a good game. What do you think, Sam? Yeah. So with, with Mahomes, it's all about Brady's record at this point. I think Mahomes is in that stratosphere as the current quarterback goat where he's counting rings. Um, if he gets this one, he's got three by age 28. Brady had three by age 27. Now, the crazy thing about Brady's career is that he took a decade off from winning Super Bowls. He did not win one for 10 years, and then he won four after he was 37. So is Mahomes going to, number one, last as long as Brady, but also can he log a couple more while he's still in his physical prime? Who knows if he has the longevity of Tom Brady? Not many people do. Um, but can he sort of close that gap while he's still young? Because Brady didn't win his fourth until he was 37 years old, from 2005 to 2015, a decade-long drought for the Patriots. So this gets Mahomes, I think, in a more realistic track to catch Tom Brady. Seven is a lofty number. 
but Mahomes is the guy that would be able to close that gap. Now for Purdy, if he wins this game, he probably sheds some serious labels. I mean, I don't think you can say that he's a system quarterback when he wins the Super Bowl, puts up the numbers that he did. I also think that from a league standpoint, people will probably go to greater lengths to look at some of these third-tier, fourth-tier quarterbacks in the draft and say, like, what did we miss in Purdy that we could find in somebody else? What qualities did he possess in college that translated to the NFL so quickly? It wasn't like he was a journeyman. It wasn't like he sat for a couple of years. He was good right away. So is it all his mental makeup? Is it that he can scramble a little bit and extend plays? What is the secret sauce that made Brock Purdy uh, – so effective immediately um you probably give a lot of credit to kyle shanahan but i think this is gonna pique the curiosity of gms trying to find the next brock purdy who again was one pick away from going undrafted reggie what do you got so first off um just want to put this out there it is black history month i'm rooting for the black quarterback in black history month okay patrick mahomes um, no, but, but seriously, I think once you start talking about, I think that three, deserves like a, like the, the <laughs> <laughs> just the slow clap to get to the fast. Once you, you start go, talking Randy. about three, um, I think that, that kind of puts you in a, in a different type of, you know, you get Peyton Manning got two, you know, Eli got two and when you get multiple, it's like, okay. But then when you get three, you start talking about three or more, That's that kind of puts you in a different level. Like, I think if Patrick Mahomes were to retire today, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I believe that. Um, and I think you kind of look at it from a standpoint of, look at Patrick Willis yesterday, went into the Hall, and he didn't have necessarily the longest career. But I think that, that Patrick Mahomes is going to continue to have a long career, and I think um, after this season, some of the things that kind of reared an ugly head with some of the pass catchers that they had and, and all that, I think that they are going to go out and get some more weapons for Mahomes as well, which is going to make them even more dangerous next year. They may lose a guy like Chris Jones, which is a, a pretty big loss for them. So I think this will be like their chance to kind of maximize but this speaks to just the greatness of this Chiefs team. You talk about like Super Bowl droughts. Andy Reid, for as long as he was the coach of the Eagles, couldn't get that, couldn't get it done there. And he he goes and gets Patrick Mahomes, changes teams, and it's just been money. And this team is probably their least talented team of their quote unquote dynasty efforts. And they find themselves in the Super Bowl again. And so I think these Super Bowls usually come down to quarterback play. And you kind of look at the last five. You know, last year you had the, the Chiefs against the Eagles. And, man, Jalen Hurst played out of his mind. Quarterback play off the charts. The, the year before that you had Burrow against Stafford. And that was a good one. The year before that, Mahomes outdueled by Brady. And then you had Pat again with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the better quarterback won, I think you saw in that first Super Bowl against um, with the Chiefs against the 49ers. If Jimmy Garoppolo hits that 50-plus yard bomb to Emmanuel Sanders down the middle of the field for the touchdown, 
that's a totally different game. And maybe we're talking about Patrick Mahomes having to bring the Chiefs down, you know, within the last two minutes of the game, last minute and some change of the game to try to win that football game. And so it's a it's a it's a totally different thing when quarterback play is is what it's supposed to be in a Super Bowl. And I think, you know, with how the 49ers have played, look, Purdy has made plays, but they've tried to not necessarily put it all on his shoulders to win. That's how they've gotten there. And so I think if if the 49ers were to come out and win this game, you got to give Brock Purdy his respect because even if he didn't do, you know, he just did a, a glorified game manager type situation, he still is the quarterback that outdueled one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen in Patrick Mahomes and stopped him from getting ring number three. And now that's what, two Super Bowl losses for Mahomes. So I think that... That is probably what's on the line here. I think, you know, Mahomes getting third, getting his third, that's a that's a huge deal for his legacy. But Purdy overtaking Mahomes in this game would be huge for Purdy's legacy and for the rap that that Purdy has on him, which is he's just a game manager. They it's the weapons around him, not necessarily him. Yeah, and, and so for me, I, I think you all, you said enough. I think everybody's kind of hit the nail on the head. I think the biggest one was that, Reggie. Purdy, he wins, no more game manager. Now, he has to win, though, and have a Joe Montana, like Steve Young type of game. He's got to run for like 40, 50 yards. He's got to make some big-time Eli Manning third-down throws like the one he made to Mario Manningham in the corner. Because people talk about the David Tyree play. Shout-out to David Tyree. We've had him on the Ron Johnson Show to talk about the helmet catch. But people forgot about that Mario Manningham catch. That one, to me, was even more precise. The Tyree was luck. That Manningham was, I'm going to drop a pin in a bucket of a needle hole this thin, and he dropped it in there. And so, like, Purdy's got to have those type of moments. He can't just throw screens and shallows and under routes and let Debo run for 60 and let Kittle get him 20 yards of yak. Like, that's what people are going to look at. How much yak? versus how much air yards and that's going to always be the key to this because if Debo has two touchdowns or, or McCaffrey has two touchdowns the MVP is going to them because Brock Purdy is not going to get the voters to really feel like or, or sorry the the people who pick uh that he should be the MVP in this now again we know it's all about money it's all about narrative this script's already been written if Mahomes wins it just solidifies his legacy everybody's talking about can he catch Brady can he get to seven well Six years, he's been to six AFC Championship games. So if he wins this one, now is his third. So this, that for him is more of that. Like he knows that if he wins this, he's now putting himself in the category of three win quarterbacks. So now he's putting himself in that next echelon of I am one of the greats, especially if it's a comeback win. But yeah, for those two, this they're, they're both their legacies on the line. I think Mahomes' legacy is set. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. He's got the big money for Purdy. He's a guy just trying to claw at every – just give me a little bit of credit because nobody gives him credit right now, and he just wants a little bit. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with being a Super Bowl winning game manager. Like, who cares? You're going to get paid. Just stay in the system. Stay healthy. You're going to get paid. Uh, but before we move on, it's time to uh, – because we, we got to talk about the Wolves and Monte Morris because everybody was like, I don't know if they're going to trade. Should they go get Tyus Jones? Should they go get Trey Jones? Uh, who else is out there? Somebody said DeJounte Murray. I'm like, please don't do that. I, I don't like him. Like, I'm so sick of his antics. Like, stop mm -hmm. that. Uh, but DeJounte Murray's name came up because they're like, he could be a scorer. I'm like, he can't coexist with Anthony Edwards. We don't need a big four. 
We just need somebody, and Monte Morris is that guy. He's going to come in and be a point scorer. He woke up in last place, or sorry, went to sleep in last place, woke up in first place. Like, imagine that. Like, you woke, you went to sleep in Detroit as the worst team in the league, and you woke up as one of the best teams in the league. That's imagine being call. Shake Milton and Troy Brown, <laughs> the, the opposite. <laughs> I know. It's like trading places with uh, – <laughs> With with uh, Eddie Murphy, I don't know if Julia. I know Sam probably hasn't seen that. I'm think I hope Reggie's seen, and I don't know Julia. You might be too young to remember trading places though with Dan Aykroyd and uh, Eddie Murphy. And, and Dan Aykroyd was super rich. Eddie Murphy was a bum, and then they traded places because everybody wanted to play around with the stock market and see if they could make a bum a rich guy and a rich guy a bum. And they did it. And so all these guys are still rich, but Sam, you're right. They all have switched places. It's like Lindsay Lohan waking up. And she's traded places with her mom. So <laughs> I don't know how that goes or who's the new one. There was just a new one with that of uh, Jennifer Gardner. I love I love that one, too. Chris Brown and Lil Dicky. L- Chris Brown and Lil Dicky. There you go. I- <laughs> the fact that you know that, Sam, like you get a gold star today. Thank you. I did not know you knew. Uh, I-, I was not aware of your game, Sam. I didn't know you uh-huh. knew about Lil Dicky. <laughs> I love Lil Dicky, especially when he says, is it data or data? I, I still don't know which one. Does any which yeah. one is it? Is it data or data? I couldn't tell you. I always wondered that. I, I'm a data Dicky. guy. I'm a data that was guy. one of his raps. He was rapping in the middle of the rap. He said data, and then he like looked at the guys like, is it data or data? Like I just like how he can do that. But anyway, it's time to move on. FanDuel locks, people. We're we are sponsored by and brought to you by today by FanDuel. Talk about some of these locks. Start off with you, Reggie. What's a lock you have for FanDuel from right now? So I was looking at this and I'm like, man, it's just because the Super Bowl is just so different, you know, like it's just it it's it's different. Um, but I think I want to lock in Christian McCaffrey first TD score plus 340. Ooh. I was looking at that. I'm like, oh, do I go Pacheco? Like, I feel like Pacheco probably will score. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey, offensive player of the year. Yeah. Lock that in plus 340. Mm. Sam. Yeah, I've got two quick ones. Uh, they're both fun. Over two and a half players to attempt a pass. So basically, quarterbacks either going to get hurt or there's going to be a trick play. Mm. Uh, you get plus 172 if somebody else throws a pass. The Chiefs have three other players that have thrown passes this year. Jarek McKinnon, Kadarius Toney, and the punter, Tommy Townsend. So it's in Andy Reid's bag to call a trick play, uh, the Niners threw one pass with Debo. So that's the the resume they have on the season. But it'd be fun. It'd be fun to cheer for a little razzle-dazzle every single play of the game. Secondly, if you're familiar with scoregamis, scoregami is when you have a unique score that has never been had in NFL history. Well, I am going to bet on the anti-scoregami. At plus 410, you can wager that the final score of the game will match a previous final score from the previous 57 Super Bowls. So there's 57 scores in Super Bowl history. Will the final score match one of those 57 at plus 410? So bet 10, get 51 bucks. I'm going to be in on that. Hmm. Julia. I'm going to go. I got two because you guys know I like the wild ones. I wish I could find the ones that were, were like, I was telling Reggie this yesterday. What color, what color shoes will Usher come out in and that kind of stuff. I yeah. love I literally almost spit my water out. I, <laughs> I wanted one where it was like, um, plus whatever that Usher takes his shirt off during the halftime. Whoa. Okay. 
Where have you not seen his concerts? He always takes his shirt off at some point. So I Did feel not like know that. A good bet to, to place. I was not um, aware so of his game. I for, to, just to be normal for the first one, I'm going plus 900. Christian McCaffrey and Travis Kelsey to, com- to combine for 10 plus receptions in the first half. Mm. Like, hey, that could happen. Um, for my crazy one, we're going <laughs> plus fifty thousand. I saw those. Trent McDuffie to return <laughs> yeah. it for a touchdown, and the Chiefs win by exactly six. <laughs> I saw those. Those the plus fifty thousands are crazy because it's like the first offensive play of the game to result in the safety, yeah. and like this happened are- once. That happened in the uh, was that the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl? Yeah, Peyton Manning. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But that's the thing that's funny about that. Like, if 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 I'm a betting man, and like I like two players would have to be involved. One, the kick returner would have to return the ball out, be an idiot, and get it like downed at like I don't know, you know, like just get tackled and run around. And then the quarterback would have to just let the ball fly out of his hands out of the back of the end zone. And if they were to put like real money on that, I'm pretty sure Vegas would catch on and be like, wait, why did somebody just put a million dollars on this? And then it happens. Like, but it also has to be probably two because you have to hope the team that does it you you know that gets the kickoff has the money you know so like whoever so there's a lot in that to make that happen so not gonna happen but you never know with the nfl script but i forgot about the peyton manning one uh i i saw some crazy ones i like just to throw them out there for people um like christian mccaffrey and isaiah pacheco both score a receiving touchdown each uh debo samuel to score a receiving and rushing touchdown that i think that's doable plus three thousand but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump up a little bit close. I'm going back to my Patrick Mahomes, Brock McPurdy, uh, Brock McPurdy, Brock Purdy, <laughs> Brock McPurdy, uh, Brock Purdy to combine for 50 plus rushing yards. I'm sticking with that one. I think between the two running quarterbacks, they both don't. Oh, sorry, they can scramble quarterbacks. Uh, I feel like there's gonna be a lot. The way Chris Jones and the way um, Bosa, you know, in that defense line, you got Chase Young. Uh, you got Cal, what Kafanakis, George Kafanakis, I forgot how you say his name. Kalafkis. Um, Kalafkis. Uh, you got a lot of guys coming after the quarterbacks. So I, I think this is going to be a game where you're going to see they're going to have to use their legs. Uh, and we've seen Brock Purdy run. We've seen Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Looks like he's trying to go to the bathroom, and he, he like he's like a little kid that has to pee, and he waited too long. Uh, but he still gets there somehow. He waddles to his first down. So I'm going that one. That's plus one fifty, real easy bet, people. That's a that's that's what makes the Super Bowl fun. That's literally what makes the Super Bowl fun. Um, I'm actually driving down to Iowa, like I think Saturday, but then we're coming right back, so definitely gonna have to put put money on one of those. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but speaking of Fanduel, we have a word from our sponsors. I, too, am going to Iowa this weekend, and I will be firing up the FanDuel app so it can be part of my Super Bowl fun with the food, the family, the football, the FanDuel. And we've given you the bets that you can wager, and you can get $200 free. Here's how. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, you get 200 That's for new customers. First bet of $5 or more, if it wins, $200 in bonus bets. So take care of that $5 bet today or tomorrow so you have the 200 for Sunday. And once you get that money, then you've got like a thousand props that you can check out at FanDuel for the Super Bowl. NBA, NHL, college basketball also available to you. FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and download that easy to use FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. 
So now let's talk about the Timberwolves. Timberwolves are first place in the West, but it's not a big lead between the top four teams. But let's talk about this Monte Morris trade. We weren't sure what was going to happen. Sam, take it away. Yeah, shout out to our uh, Minnesota basketball party panelist, Jack Borman. He dropped the name on our Wednesday show. He called it Monte Morris, and it came true. Wolves made the trade on Wednesday. Didn't even wait for trade deadline day. They bring in Monte Morris. We feel bad for Shake. We feel bad for Troy Brown. I'm not grieving their loss, to be honest with you. You know, maybe I'm upset about the 2030 second round pick they gave up because I did have my eye on some middle schoolers that were going to be available in that draft. But otherwise, I think this is a really good deal because you get a guy that's going to be a stabilizing force at point guard who can run your offense, score a little bit, and uh, distribute the basketball without turning it over. You look at his last five years. It's like a 10-point-per-game guy, distributes the basketball nicely, um, and he's played on a winner in Denver. Yes, he was with Detroit this year, Washington last year, but five years with Tim Connolly in Denver, I mean, he's been part of a winning culture. Um, you look at his you know, points per game, pretty consistently 10 points per game, oftentimes in a bench roll. So I like the deal. It's exactly what they needed. Apparently, they still have room to acquire a buyout uh person as well maybe like a Gordon Hayward I don't know how much money they have or can afford but uh they have done what they needed to do they've bolstered their depth so I like the deal um all points Sam I would agree with uh I think we've talked about it all year about when Mike Connolly's not out there there's a difference especially when it comes to the decision making skills Finchie has said it himself where he talks about how irreplaceable Mike Connolly is out there in terms of having that veteran presence. So it's nice to have a guy like Monty Morris come in um, with, like you said, Sam, all of the experience that he has. It's also nice because the Wolves this season in particular, you can have confidence in a potential postseason run. Hopefully we're not, it's a Minnesota sports team. So we're not going to get our hopes too high about those kind of things. Um, but it's nice to have somebody that's been there before. Um, also, the Tim Connolly connection, we know, um, bringing in one of his former guys. It's going to be good. I, I would I would say, you know, Shake and Troy weren't doing much for this Wolves team. So I would give this, if we were grading this trade, I would give it an A. Um, I think they got everything that they could out of it. A 20, 30 second round pick. I mean, nowhere near any of that yet and things could potentially change after that anyways um but I, I think this will do nothing but good for this team um and it'll be nice to have another point guard with experience yeah i think uh tim Connolly had the best of intentions bringing guys like shake and troy brown in and somehow troy brown just kind of played himself out of the rotation because he was getting some good minutes earlier in the season and now he and Shake, Ron, I don't know if you remember this uh, legendary Detroit uh, song, but now Shake and Troy, they, uh, they, they realize, they woke up this morning and realize it's so cold in the D. <laughs> um, so I think, I think uh, when it comes to the trade, I mean, Monte Morris had a, a great season last year for the Wizards. And so... He's only played in four games this year. Um, I, I it's weird because Monty and and the Pistons are a weird marriage, and I just don't even understand. Like they just 
they just flat out just released Killian Hayes yesterday. They were like, you know what? We just give up <laughs> on this dude. Like it's he it's said like, he wanted to he wanted new uh he wanted a new change of scenery. I mean, that's so he's fine. He's been but telling like, people that and they couldn't find a trade partner for him. So <laughs> it's just crazy. You drafted the dude first oh, your first round pick in 2020, and you just flat release him four years later. You're like, all right, we can't. We can't do anything with this guy. He's yeah, Detroit kinda... Twitter was happy though. So yeah, yeah, they they were excited, but it's just it's it's interesting. Like you know, the Wolves got a chance to offload some guys that were just getting DMPs every night to get a guy who could legitimately, you know, help them in in their point guard depth off the bench. Like I, I'm interested to see what this means for a guy like Jordan McLaughlin because he was kind of getting some mm-hmm. minutes too. But I think Monte probably is a little bit of an upgrade when it comes to shot making and and some of the playmaking ability on the floor. He had a career high five assists a game last year for the Wizards. So I'm I'm just interested to see how this plays out. I think um, Connolly swung and and kind of righted what he didn't know was going to be a wrong and and getting rid of Shake and Troy and getting a guy that could be a really productive player coming in in that second unit. Well, for me, I kind of feel bad for, you're right, for Troy Brown. It's like that's that's a tough pill to swallow. You were you were thinking this is your year to go to a, to a Super Bowl of basketball. Yeah. Um, but now you are in the toilet bowl. So, uh unfortunately, they got flushed down the toilet. They are now with the Pistons. Um, and, and we know things can happen like contracts don't have to be signed. Guys can be waived so they can find a new team and contracts can be unloaded. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the Lopez brother last night with the Bucks when he played the Timberwolves or not last night, whatever the other night. And he got traded. And so he just stayed at the stadium and read a book. But didn't that was last game. night. That was last night. OK, yeah, I wasn't sure when it was because I was watching the Lakers. So I wasn't sure if that was happening live or if that was something from the night before. But, yeah, he got traded, sat there and read a book during the whole game so there's because he knew he was going to get waived anyway after the trades he's like i'm not even getting on a plane like just wave me and then i can go find me a team so that happens too where guys get traded and then teams is like we just want to get rid of our guy and we're going to wave your guy he can go find a team and win we're not going to force him to live in the d because it is cold it's cold and it's cold in detroit um shout out to i don't forgot those girls names who made that song in the cemetery was the music video horrible um and somehow they went viral (laughs) That's back when we had JJ Icefish as well. <laughs> he was going viral. And 50 Tyson. 50 Tyson went, t- went viral back then as well. So speaking of all those people, <laughs> that's just what happens when you get traded. You get thrown in with JJ Icefish, the girls that made it's cold in the D, and now you're stuck over there with uh <laughs> with 50 Tyson. So uh, but but Monte Moore, speaking of that, to be serious, uh the Timberwolves, that is that's something that we all talked about when, when Mike Conley can't go or when he's resting on the bench. Can they get productive minutes and points out of somebody that can control the game and put bu- fill the goal up with buckets? Monte Morris is that guy. He can score. He's smaller. So what they're going to have to figure out, too, is some of the defensive rotations when he's in games because, you know, bigger guards like Luka Doncic, they're going to try to put him in the, in the post and, and play, you know, big boy ball. So figuring out that defensive rotation when he's having to guard bigger guards if he is in the game or what that looks like. But with, with the NBA zone strategy now, too, I think there's ways around it to leave him at the top and just when a guy floats down, you move down to the next guy. Him and Anthony Edwards can trade off guys. I mean, there's a lot they can do in this offense and defense as well. Um, but he does give them productive minutes off the bench. And so we didn't get Trey Jones. We didn't get Tyus Jones. 
We did get Monte Morris. So I, I'm, I'm happy for uh, the Timberwolves. And we'll see what this means. After the after the All-Star break, I'm guessing we'll start to see some production out of them. So now time for the Wolves-Bucks reaction. I kind of gave you a little bit of the Lopez uh, leak of what happened in that game. But, Reggie, what do you think about the game? Yeah, uh, Donde Esta 50 Tyson. I don't know where he is in the Twin Cities right now. But anyway, um, you know, that game was so boring that Brooke Lopez only could read a book during that game. Like, he just – he was like, you know what? This book is more interesting than this mess that Doc Rivers is is orchestrating tonight. Uh, I, I think it's interesting because, like, they, they fired Adrian Griffin and Doc Rivers has done nothing but lose since he's been there. $40 million – loser at this point i don't understand the infatuation with doc rivers at this point in his coaching career at all but you know whatever that's it's their funeral but you know they didn't have dame last night that was going to be tough they didn't have chris middleton he sprained his ankle in the last game so it it was it was going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for them anyway but it was pretty surprising Giannis played 27 minutes he only had 17 points minus 18 when he was on the floor and doc was just like at at one point in the game he's like all right that that's about enough we're just gonna i'm gonna sick aj green on him and aj green comes in this is the type of like just an aside this is the type of weird things that happen to the wolves like the wolves win but some dude named aj green 24 year old rookie out of northern iowa Comes off the bench, goes 9 of 11 from the field, 7 of 8 from 3, and scores 27 points on the Wolves. Yeah, the Wolves won by double digits. Yeah, whatever. But A.J. Green gets loose. And so, and and the Wolves actually get outscored in the fourth quarter. But, you know, whatever, whatever. We won't talk about because that's an easy... Uh, that's an easy one for Sam to say, oh, man, I told him about those fourth quarter woes. Look out. Wolves. Julia, oh, what man. you got? <laughs> Ron's like, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Mike Connolly, I mean, what was he, six for seven from three? Um, Lame thrower. Yeah, solid night from that guy. Mike Connolly, man, just so good. Bite, bite. Uh, a lot of guys in double figures for the Wolves bite, bite. last night. It was just really ugly stuff from the Bucks. Um they, I think on their first road trip at Doc Rivers, they were like one and four or something like that. Things have not been great. This is their third loss in a row. Obviously, they didn't have crucial guys, but when you sit Giannis in the third and then you're like, okay, we give up, then obviously good stuff for AJ Green, but did it matter? No. <laughs> they still lost the game. Um, yeah, dominating performance from the Wolves. Um, I think they really took advantage of the – the guys being out, but um, not much to say about this one other than sucks for all the Bucks fans that work at our uh, station. Sucks for the Bucks. <laughs> I, I I loved watching. I loved watching the Wolves offensively in this game. I thought that Edwards kind of rediscovering his mid range was a nice development. That's been fading of late. The dunks from Nas and Rudy were spectacular. And the three-point shooting was sensational. Props to the Wolves. Now, as far as Doc, I watched his post-game press conference. I've never seen a more defeatist attitude in a press conference from a new head coach. Like, wouldn't you think that you'd want to make a good first impression 
with the home fans. He gets up there, and this is not the second half of a back-to-back. He's talking as if they were predestined to lose. He's like, yeah, with these these flights and this road trip we had, I thought about benching everybody. I decided not to, but I said, if we get down, I'm pulling them. What? Have you seen the Wolves lately? The Wolves blow leads at any point in the game. You're not out of the game. Teams win shorthanded all the time in the NBA, and you've given up? What? That astounded me. It's your sixth game, and already you've been beaten into submission. I couldn't believe it. So easy win for the Wolves because the other coach clearly didn't care. Uh, the only thing I, I want to say is Mike Conley is very, very unselfish. He was one assist away from a triple-double. And most people, like LeBron, sorry, Reggie, um, would have taken that one quick assist. Like, hey, man, somebody come make a layup on a fast break so I can get this 10th assist. Uh, Mike Conley is not that guy. He didn't want to make it a triple-double night. But, Julie, you're right. Six or seven from three, 18 points, all three-pointers. Like, that's when you know you just sit down and be like, man, let me let me go ahead and put this arm on ice because it's it's just too hot right now. And so the way this team is playing, if you can get 18 out of Conley, you can get big big buckets out of uh, Ant, you can get Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert to play. Like, again, to get Monte Morris into that group, that's, that's what excites me. Like, after watching the Nuggets-Lakers game last night, the one thing I saw about the Nuggets is you have to slow down Jokic. And I'm glad that the Timberwolves, like, to make this trade, didn't have to give up Jaden – uh, or Nas Reed because you need big bodies to, you know, also Carly Towns and Cat, but you need big bodies. And one thing I saw that, that uh, what's his name, Anthony Davis did that the Timberwolves, I hope, watched this film to say, how can we make, make Jokic play a little bit slower? Anthony Davis said, you know what? You might be a scorer, but I'm a scorer too. And he went at him and he forced him to not only play defense, but play tough defense, which then on the offensive side, they I think the, the, the Lakers brought it back to within like five. And then, of course, then the Lakers just have nobody healthy. Everybody was hurt, so it was just down the stretch. They had nothing left in the tank, and the Nuggets have a ton of bullets you can throw at them. But for the Timberwolves, I'm looking forward to this Monte Morris because you throw him in with this group, and Mike Conley, after shooting six or seven from three, can come out, he takes the right shot at the right time. Like this, this team can be scary. But again, my favorite moment is still how petty the Lopez brother was because he could have easily went home to his house. They were in Milwaukee. It wasn't like he was on the road in Minnesota on the plane because I've seen that happen where guys are literally on the plane. They get off the plane and they're traded and then they like have to go get the team secures them just a, a regular ticket. Like, here's your Delta ticket back. He could have went home. He could have drove home. He could have sat in the suites. He could have stayed in the locker room and read that book. That dude went courtside and purposely read a book like he was diabolically petty and i love it i loved every minute of that but i want everybody to know make sure you download the serious xm app serious xm is a proud partner locked on catch every minute of the timberwolves home hometown broadcast with serious xm on the sxm app just search timberwolves well it's time to talk about the gophers because i don't know if anybody saw it i did they beat michigan state trey holloman Former Creighton Durham Hall, uh, mm-hmm. grad, Minnesota native. He had all you know, 30 family members there to watch him lose. I loved every minute of it. Uh, shout out to Trado. He's doing well at Michigan State. I wish he would have stayed and been a Minnesota Gopher, but you know what? He went to Michigan State and you lost. Uh, but Christy, the little brother, he can fill it up. That boy, like I was not familiar with his game, but can he get off the ground quick and knock down threes? That boy is an absolute target master like he knocks it down but when i look at this game 
They're not selling out. The crowd looks very uninterested. Like the fact that they shot a three to go up one against Michigan State and this was the reaction they got from the side that we could see, like the way the camera angles were with with uh the, with Peacock and NBC. Like this is what it looked like. Like some slight claps, some step. Like j- like you watch Cameron Indoor, you watch uh North Carolina, you watch Clemson, even like it is loud. It's cr- you watch Caitlin Clark in Iowa. I know that's a different story. It's loud. It's crazy. People are on their feet. They're screaming. The Gophers fans. I don't know if a new stadium will help. But a new stadium will bring new fans. It will bring new experiences. So, yes, it is time to renovate that old, old barn because every old barn has old animals. It's time to get those old animals out and get some new blood in there and get the old blood excited about coming home to a game. Like, I think that's the other part of it. It's the same thing. It was there in 1988. It's been the same. When I got there in 1998, it's the same. In 2008, it's been the same. In 2028, it cannot be the same. So I hope that they change it, but we'll see. I don't know. What do you think, Sam? All right. So I covered the entirety of the Richard Patino era when I was on a, a different career path. I, I, I covered that team closely. I was at just about every home game. And I saw when that team was good, and I saw when that team was bad. And when that team is good, people show up. And they create a fantastic atmosphere. Um, 2016-17, made the tournament, ton of fun. 2018-19, made the tournament, ton of fun. Had a couple other competitive years as well. Uh, they won the NIT in 2013-14. So like, there, there have been good years. And when there are good years, fans come. The Gophers need to win to earn the fans there. And I think when the fans are in that building... I think atmospherically, it's as good as it gets. The acoustics are so loud. Uh, you feel the history. You see the banners. I think it's cool. Now, without tearing it down, you can enhance it to make more revenue because that's ultimately what it's about. It's a revenue game. Um, I think you can do what you did at the hockey arena. You can create more of a sweet level. You can change the parameters of the court or the the bank of the seats to open up more premium seating. I would even go as far to say you can sell naming rights. I know people don't want to change Williams Arena. They did it at Mariucci Arena, and everybody's okay now. We all survived. Sell naming rights. Isn't it 3M at Mariucci? 3M Arena at Mariucci. Yeah, yeah, they can you can do that. You can keep the name. You can do what you can create ways to to make more money from that arena without tearing down the the zeitgeist, you know, like without taking down this hundred year old um art like kind of what's the word? Not relic, maybe it is relic, maybe that's what I'm trying to get at. Um artifact. Um I think you can get the best of both worlds. I really do. I wouldn't want to touch it because it's just so cool when it's good. If the team is better, which they are trending that way, then I think it'll work itself out. When you stand in there, it reminds me of the movie The Mummy. Like, I feel like if I go down in the basement, I will find a sarcophagus. Like, that's what I feel like when I go in there. Julia, what do you think? Um, I've covered quite a few games at the bar, and... I would have to agree with Sam about the sweet levels and things like that. In a world of NIL, the people that are going to spend money and invest in your athletes need to have a good spot to watch these athletes from. The sweets right now are in the Raptors. And that 
just doesn't work. Another, if I don't, I don't think we should tear down the barn just because it, there's so much historical context to it. I mean, it's so old. Ryan Williamson, our producer at Care 11, was telling us that it was an airplane hangar during World War II. They, they, it has all these elements to it. I don't, I don't want them to tear it down, but it needs some serious, serious improvements. Um, the floor needs to be lowered. There's just like you want to sell courtside seats have a court where you can sit courtside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also people are hesitant to bring different kinds of tournaments there too, because people don't like that platform floor. For me personally, as someone that shoots gopher games sometimes, I would like the floor to be on the ground too, so that I could shoot from the floor. Instead, we're all put in this one little corner over in the back into the side to try and shoot from. And it just doesn't look as good as if I were at, any other place in the big 10 to shoot from Um, because it's not a big 10 thing that keeps us from shooting on the floor. It's the fact that the floor is elevated. So there's no space for us to sit anywhere. Um, I also think it's just the atmosphere thing. It's like Ron said, when you walk in, it feels old, right? Walk in and you're like, okay, you, you, when you're walking, not when you're inside of the arena itself, but when you're walking around where all the concession stuff is, that all needs an update. It needs to be wider. There's not enough room for people to walk. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. But most importantly, I think if you want people to spend money on this program, then you need to give them an opportunity to sit in really nice seats um, with a really good view and not from way up in the rack. Nobody spends money on those suites. There's nobody up there. I was at the Northwestern game, which had more people than the Michigan state game. Nobody was sitting in those suites because no one wants to sit and and feel like they're sitting in the sky watching this basketball game. Um, and there's no real exclusive seating courtside either. It's just, that's where the seats start. So mm-hmm. I think there's a few updates that need to be made. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Reggie. Yeah, I think, you know, you're talking about a venue that's older than our great grandparents. (laughs) And so, like, that's that's something that you're like, okay, you should probably preserve the history. But to me, like the the times that I've been there, it just kind of reminds me of like a like a glorified like high school venue. You know, the seating is a little bit more robust, obviously, but like. It's so like where they have the media sit, we're all the way up at the top and looking. It's so steep up there. You Reggie, feel a little uneasy. Reggie, this is how desperate they got. So this was another revenue thing. So like as of 2018, 19, media got to sit overhanging on the second level center court mm. where Mike Grimm sits, the radio team. But then they decided, well, we can sell those seats because that's premium seating, <laughs> then they move the media to the corner. So again, like they're they're nickel and diming, trying to create that good premium seating. And that was the media, of course. We were uh, we were the first casualty. Yeah, so like just going to the, the place, it just feels like you're in an old place. And, it, you know, you, you think about like what they charge at concessions and all that. It's just like you don't feel comfortable, you know, paying premium dollar at a place where you know the experience isn't necessarily that great now when that place is rocking like it's it's a cool you know throwback type of feel and experience but you know i came from cincinnati where they renovated fifth third arena and senti center where they they bring concerts they have you know like it's not just like a, a sporting venue they have the 
the the high school basketball tournaments um in in those arenas and all kinds of cool stuff like i'm coming from a place where that was happening to a place in williams arena where you know you just you talk about nostalgia and all that and it it's it the the two just don't necessarily add up and and if you probably look around the big 10 like i've I've been where you know I've been at the shop where Ohio State plays. They play their high school basketball tournaments there as well. Like it, it just doesn't necessarily meet the same standard. And I know there's a lot of money at the U. There, there's some money there. I think they can afford to to renovate. I wouldn't tear it down at all, but I would definitely do some major, major renovations to that venue. With all that said, without a duel for us today on a beautiful, windy Friday. No snow, though. So it's beautiful anytime it's like that in Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Julia Davis. And I'm just looking forward to the sparkles because, Julia, I'm going to get some glitter. I'm going to have glitter drinks this weekend. I want you guys to have a great, great weekend. And glitter is edible. Julia also alerted me to that. Have a good weekend. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. Julia Davis again and Reggie Wilson. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. And this was the Friday Roundtable. Take care. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.